Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith, and I am the youth director uh, over at the Southwood campus uh, here at Grace Bible Church. So I'm the guy to talk to if you were wondering what Justin Bieber's new tattoo said. For example, it says believe, in case you didn't know that. I'm not making that up. Uh, I know those things. So if you have any questions regarding those issues, just come and talk to me. That, that is my life. Um, but uh, I actually grew up uh, in College Station. I grew up here in town. Uh, and so because of that, when I went to high school, I went to a Consolidated High School. Uh, and my sophomore year at Consol, I decided that it was my civic duty. It had become my time uh, to give back, to give back to the school that had been raising me and teaching me. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do my duty. I'm going to join student council. And as soon as I got on student council, I had all these grand plans, these platforms that I'd been running on of, you know, like no homework or, you know, no more calling people John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith, right? Like I wanted to like pass these big, you know, motions through the Senate, through the assembly. Uh, but I quickly discovered that the sophomore class, the 10th grade class at Consol uh, on student council only actually had one real power. Uh, and it was that we could plan homecoming. Uh, that, that was our one responsibility. Okay. All year. That's what everything was all about. We, we just planned homecoming. Uh, and so as soon as I recognized that, as soon as I realized that that was our one piece of power, I thought, well, how can I take control of that? And so I put myself, I, I maneuvered my way into being the chairman, chairman, yes, very official, uh, the chairman of the homecoming theme planning committee, okay, which meant that I took a, a crack squad of about four other high schoolers, and we brainstormed and thought of what is the theme going to be for our homecoming this year, and we talked about it for weeks and weeks, and, and eventually we submitted our top three ideas uh, to, the, to the staff that sponsored student council, so on our official written form, uh, one of our ideas, we told them we were all behind a pirate homecoming, right? Where, because swashbuckling is always fun, right? Like that always makes everything good. Uh, we also uh, had submitted the idea of a Star Wars homecoming uh, because, yeah, Star Wars, right? So, uh, and, and third, our third idea was we submitted the idea for pinball uh, homecoming, uh, which in case you're confused, uh, probably, right? Yeah. Um, we, pinball homecoming, basically the way it would function is that as you walked in the door, uh, you would be assigned a random point value uh, on a card and it would be put on your back or, or front. And uh, you would also be handed some sort of paddle. And as soon as you made it into the homecoming dance area, you would notice that there are large white beach balls, inflated beach balls all around the room, uh, which were acting as pinballs that you could paddle, you know, flipper slap into other people in an attempt to gain the points from them, right? And then at the end of the night, someone would have the most points and they would win and everyone would hate the dance, right? So uh, we submitted these ideas to our teacher and they took them and uh, about a week later they came back with their official selection out of our three, right? Out of our top picks, they, they came back and they told us, you know what? We are going to go ahead and go with Havana Nights because... Cuba is better than Star Wars, apparently, right? But they, they came forward, and as soon as that happened, I was just, I was stunned. Like, I didn't understand. I just looked at it, and I said, that, 
that wasn't even like top 100, right? Like I was looking through my notes, like where did they get that from? And in that moment, I realized something crucial. Suddenly my perspective shifted and I realized something that not many of the other student counselors realized, which was we were a puppet government. Like we, (laughs) our strings were just being pulled by these, these faculty members hiding in the shadows, right? Like, ah, making us dance and do things. And I realized that and I was like, what in the world, right? Suddenly my, my world was just shattered. Uh, so I cut those dreams and I quit. I quit student council immediately because I just couldn't handle it. It was just too much for me. Uh, but looking back right now, looking back, I look at it and I say, yes, of course, Star Wars Homecoming would have been horrible. Thank goodness they made that decision, right? And looking back, I realized that as a student council, uh, we, sure, we didn't have the ultimate word, right? We didn't have the ultimate say in what happened, but we played a very important role in that we could cooperate uh, with the faculty decisions, right, and the faculty policies, right? But if it, what it really came down to, though, was that when, when the rubber hit the road, when it really came down to it, it was the teacher's word that mattered, not ours, right? My words weren't going to create a Star Wars homecoming Try as I might, right? Now, this summer, we've been going through spiritual disciplines. Last week, Brian uh, talked about rest uh, over here, and it's been, this is what we're doing all summer. This whole summer, we're just going through all these different disciplines in the, in the spiritual life, kind of looking at how to, how to succeed in this life as a Christian, kind of what, what, we should, what standards, what goals we should be setting for ourselves. And this morning, we're talking about evangelism. Uh, This morning, we are hitting an incredibly important piece in that we're talking about how to basically share our faith with other people, right? That's what evangelism really boils down to. How are we going to share our faith with others? But I want us to realize that as we approach this subject, as we start walking through verses, as we start talking about quotes, you know, all these things, as I start presenting this argument to you, I want us to realize one key thing. And it's in Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, this is key because scripture doesn't say that the word of the Lord is a nice reference for Jacob to use as he creates an extended metaphor connecting Darth Vader and eternal salvation, right? Like that's, that's not how scripture functions. That's not how God's word functions. Hebrews is very clear. The rest of the Bible is very clear. God's word is powerful. It is active. It is sharp. It pierces. So as we walk through this idea of evangelism, I want us to realize that it's not our words. As we hit these things, it's not what we say. I could give you the most perfect, amazing evangelism strategy ever, and it means nothing apart from the word of God. This is what it really comes down to. And this is why as we seek to evangelize, one of our key pieces, the very first thing that we have to make sure we do is seek God first. If you want to be a successful evangelist, the very first thing you need to do is seek after God. Pursue him. You've got to pursue God before you pursue people. That's just the way it works. There's uh, this book that I was reading that helped a lot in the formation of my sermon. Uh, It's called The Seven Principles of an evangelistic life. It's by a guy named Douglas Cecil. Uh, and if you're interested in this topic, if you want to go a little bit more in depth than what we do this morning, I would strongly encourage you uh, to read it, Seven Principles of an Evangelistic Life. But in it, he makes an amazing point what I, that I loved, and I actually pulled the quote 
He says, there's a great commandment before there's a great commission. Meaning that as we are seeking to participate with God, right? As we do play an important role in that we can participate with what God has set in place. As we do those things, as we take the the policies that God has put forth, for example, the Great Commission that Troy was read earlier, the, the commission that says that we should go out and make disciples of all the nations, Christ's last command to us, as we seek to accomplish those goals, Cecil reminds us, but first Christ gave us a great commandment, being you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is the first piece, right? So as we seek to evangelize, as we seek to move out into this world and change people and bring them to Christ, we've got to realize this. There was a great commandment before there was a great commission. We've got to pursue God before we pursue people. And Christ said this over and over and over again. If you look in Matthew 4.19, you'll notice that he is clearly telling his disciples, he tells them, look, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Christ is being very intentional. He says, first you follow, then you fish. That is the first step in this path of evangelism, of trying to reach the world for Christ. The first step has to be, I'm going to God. I'm pursuing God. And some of us, Let's be honest, some of us in this room right now, that's where we're at. That's where we need to stop. That's where you can, just, you can just tune me out for the rest of the morning because you maybe don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never sought him. You've never pursued him in any way. That's what you need to think about. Or maybe you had a relationship with God and it's kind of fallen to the side and you don't really know where it's at anymore and you're not really sure how you feel. Well, let me encourage you to, you can just... Not pay attention to me for the rest of the morning. That is totally fine. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time just thinking about what is my relationship with God like? Why is it so messed up? Why am I so unsure of it? Spend time on that because that is going to matter way more than anything else I'm about to say. Right? But some of us, some of us have this, right? Some of us are following. Some of us have sought God. Some of us have established that relationship. And so we're ready to fish. Right? But, but as we prepare ourselves to fish, as we prepare ourselves to evangelize, uh, we should be asking ourselves, well, what is true evangelism? Right? Like, what is the, the core of evangelism? What, what does it really mean? And I've been talking for about five minutes now about evangelism, and I've purposefully not given you a very set definition. Right? I kind of alluded to it a little bit broadly, but I really wanted us to think about evangelism in our own minds. I wanted you to come up with your own definition because we all have one. We all kind of think about, yeah, evangelism, that's like this, right? I have been at Southwood as the youth director for about a year now, uh, but before that I was actually over here at Anderson. I ran the junior high ministry for three years, uh, and over those three years uh, I got to interact with a lot of 12 to 14 year olds, which if you haven't done that in a while, congratulations, right? But uh, Over the course of those three years, I went to a lot of Bible studies. I went to a lot of Sunday mornings. I went to a lot of events, right? I went to Schlitterbahn and Six Flags and camps and and all those great things. And over the course of that time, uh, when I was reaching the end of it, you know, I started to reminisce about all the things that I had done. And I realized that my three years were filled with a lot of pain, like, like physical, physical pain. Not like, emo- yeah, there's emotional burden, right? And spiritual, like, how do I reach these kids, right? Like, but, but there's also that, 
there's actual physical pain. Uh, because I don't know if you realize this, but if you are a you know, larger target man, right, and you are interacting with a 12-year-old boy, they just, they just want to destroy you. I don't know why. They just, they just do. Uh, and so I, I actually sat down. I'm not exaggerating in any way. I, I promise I'm not. And I realized uh, when I was kind of categorizing all of my injuries over the three years, uh, I realized that I had been punched basically everywhere. Like just, you could just all punches, okay? Just punch everywhere. I had been slapped directly in the face, like full palm, just boom, like at least three times. Three times I could remember specifically because it hurts so bad if you get slapped right in the face. Uh, I had been kicked. One, I'd been kicked multiple times, but the ones that really stand out to me is uh, there was this one kid that loved to kick me directly in the kneecap, like just walk up to you, be like, oh, hey, go, boom, and just, ah, right? And I would just collapse and cry for an hour, right? But the, I'd been kicked in the knee, right, right in the caps. Uh, and I'd also, uh, we play with a lot of different balls and all those things, you know, before Bible study, and which was foolish of me because I have been hit in the face, in the head, uh, with basically all, all balls, okay, all of them. Uh, I've been hit in the head with a basketball, okay, basketballs, dodgeballs, volleyballs, soccer balls, footballs, uh, and four square balls. And generally, uh, it was always at point blank range because I would go around and gather, gather up all the equipment before we started Bible study. And, I, and the kids would be like, oh, you want the, you want the football? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Can, can you put it in the bag right here? Be like, yeah, yeah, you want the ball, right? Heads up. <laughs> right? And they would do this repeatedly, all right, just over and over and over again. Uh, and as I reached the end, uh, as I reached the end of my, of my stint uh, with junior high, uh, which you should all volunteer to be leaders, by the way. Don't, don't let this uh, stop you. Uh, but as I reached the end of my time, uh, they, they took it up a notch. I felt like they moved a little bit from the physical warfare to almost psychological slash chemical warfare. Uh, in that uh, when we were on a retreat uh, towards the end of my time, uh, I was, you know, trying to go to bed because that's what you do at four o'clock in the morning when you're at someone's house, right, with a bunch of junior high kids. Uh, and I had a worn all day, you know, stinky, just sweaty sock uh, stuffed down my mouth, like, like into my throat, right? Like back here, right? Like just, blah, right? And in that moment, I thought, you know, God loves you, but... I just don't know, right? Like, I, I just, in that moment, in that moment, I realized, gosh, this is, this is crazy, right? But over those three years, even though I had been attacked and punched and kicked and all those things, through those three years, I tried to just love them, right? And I tried to care for them and, and provide for them and set up Bible studies and set up Sunday mornings, right? And I only killed five of them, which I think <laughs> is pretty good, right? All things considered. But... Over those three years, I, I did all those things. And some of us look at that and we're like, yeah, that's, that's probably evangelism, right? Like in my mind, even when I was initially going through this talk, I thought that's probably evangelism, right? Like sacrificing yourself. Uh, but we all have these different definitions. We'll come up with that. Or, or maybe we'll say, well, evangelism is handing out a certain piece of paper, right, on a street corner. Or, or evangelism is, you know, living your life in a certain way. Or maybe evangelism is standing on a certain stage, and giving a certain presentation. That, that's what evangelism is. But what evangelism truly is, what I, what I really think we need to do to really find out what evangelism is, is we look at scripture. We look at the original text in Greek, and we see where our term evangelism comes from. And when we do that, we'll notice that evangelism actually centers around two main ideas. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 
It says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand. Right here, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he's telling them, look, there is this thing, there's this good news, and the word that he uses, he uses a noun called euangelion, euangelion, and it's literally translated as the good news, right? And you could probably already hear, yeah, evangelism, right? This, this is the word that we get evangelism from, euangelion, this noun, right? Meaning the good news. And in this passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8 is a very famous passage uh, where Paul clearly defines the good news of Christ, that Christ came, lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and rose again three days later, proving his victory over sin and death, making salvation available to all. Okay, so as we realize that that is the good news, right, when we see that, we're thinking, okay, so evangelism, good news, right, there's something missing, though, and that's why we look at 1 Corinthians 1, 17. It says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul's again talking to the Corinthians, and right here, he doesn't actually use, right, euangelion for gospel, and then another word for preach. Instead, that last little section is one word. Preach the gospel is, is one word. He turns euangelion into a verb, it says euangelizo, which literally translates as to proclaim the good news. Right? So when we look at evangelism, there's, it's more than just you know, living or, or these other kind of vague ideas. Part of it, right? one of the focuses, one of the two pieces is we are proclaiming the good news of Christ. But that's not the whole thing. There's actually a little bit more. And if you look in Acts 14, 15, you don't have to turn there. It's, it's up here. Paul's very clear. He says, we preach the gospel to you that or so that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. Right here, Paul, again, is talking to Christians, to believers, and he's telling them, look, you need to be turning. He's saying, look, I am preaching this gospel to you, non-believers alike. They're in this crowd. He's saying, I'm teaching you this gospel, I'm proclaiming this news to you, not just so that you would hear it, but so that something would happen, right? So that you would turn, so that there would be a change. Paul had an intention as he was presenting this gospel, as he was proclaiming this news. Think back to Matthew 4.19. When Christ says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he's being very intentional with his terminology. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men, Think about fishing. Why do you go fishing? What's the point? Why do you go out? Do you just, you like to sit and look at ripples in water? Probably not, right? Or do you maybe, you have this long, dark history with worms, right? Maybe your dog got heartworms, and so you just enjoy putting them on that line and watching them drown, right? Like, is, is that the point? Do you fish in order to drown worms? Like, no, of course not. You go fishing to catch fish. You have an intention as you do that. Christ is telling us, look, I will make you fishers of men. You will be out there with the intention of catching these men. That's why evangelism, as I would define it, as actually Douglas Cecil defined it in his book, evangelism is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ for the purpose of inviting the sinner to salvation. Now realize I'm using these terms like intent or intention and purpose uh, an invitation, because I want to make sure that we're not taking evangelism and turning it into something that's not, right? I want to make sure that we're not, you know, going around, you know, making notches on the prayer journal thinking, how many Christians did I make this year, right? Like, that's not evangelism is. It's not looking at these results. Instead, evangelism is all about faithfulness and proclaiming the gospel. 
It's about planting seeds. Now, sometimes that will turn into fruit. Sometimes you'll see that fruit. Sometimes you won't. That's why God calls us to just be faithful in that proclamation of the good news, in extending that invitation. Evangelism is information and an invitation. Okay, that, that's what evangelism really, really is. And, you know, that's, that's a great thing to know. And there are, are definitely other pieces, right? I alluded a little bit to living a certain way or, or doing, you know, junior high ministry, those sorts of things. And those things are definitely important. Uh, but I would probably categorize them under, uh, you know, the ideas of maybe witnessing, being a light to a dark world. Or maybe under discipleship, meaning that you are raising Christians from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Right? But evangelism itself is this, this, this act, this proclamation with an invitation. Okay, that's what evangelism truly is. And this is good to know, right? But it's not often that you're standing in line at Starbucks, right? And the person behind you says, hey, excuse me, what? Do you know what the good news of Jesus Christ is and how I should respond to it is? Right? Like that's, that's not going to happen. Maybe at Mugwalls, right? But not, not at Starbucks, right? <laughs> not at Starbucks. That's not going to happen. And so when we approach this, when we realize what evangelism is, the thing is, is that uh, we've got to have a little bit more, right? There's got to be a little bit more than just knowing what it is. Uh, when I was uh, growing up, I actually attended a smaller uh, Christian school in town. Uh, and as I went through that private school, had a great time, loved it. Uh, but in seventh grade, I switched over to public school. I went to the public junior high, CSMS, for the first time. Uh, and as I switched over, my class of students went from about 25 kids to 350. And I knew one guy. I knew one guy in the whole school. And so naturally, in those first few weeks, in those first few months, we just clung to each other, right? We just, we looked for each other and we just, we just hung out all the time, right? Because we were just suddenly in this new culture. Like in my family, I had been a little, a little shielded, right, from certain things of secular culture, right? Like when we drove around town, uh, no joke, we would uh, either listen to, you know, KSBJ, Christian radio, those, those things. But my dad liked to take it up a notch, and when we would drive around town, we would just straight up sing old hymns, just in the car. Why not? And my dad was tone deaf, too, in case that helps your image, okay? Okay, yeah, that's why Jacob is weird, right? So, so we would drive around town, right? That, that was what I grew up with. And all of a sudden, I'm in, the, I'm in the school with all these kids who are listening to, like, rap music. And they're listening to, like, Britney Spears, right? And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what she oops did the first time. Like, I don't know, like... <laughs> I don't get it, right? Like there were all these pieces that were foreign to me and I just, I didn't understand. And because of that, uh, when we were together, we were just, we didn't know what to do. Like I remember specifically sitting with him in a hallway at one point, we were just sitting there and we're just, we're just silent. We're just like, what are we, what are we doing in this school? Like, what are we doing with these seculars, right? Like what, what's going on? And we're trying to think of how am I going to apply all this knowledge, all these things that I've been taught all my life. And in that moment, I stopped and I turned to my friend. I said, Ryan, I said, Ryan, I know what to do. It's like, what? You know, please tell me. Ryan, I'm going to turn someone into a Christian. Right? That was my grand plan. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to turn someone into a Christian. And sure enough, you know, that year, uh, I brought a grand total of zero people to Christ. Right? Why? Because I still thought of people like they were transformers that just need to go into Christian mode, right? Like I, I had this strange view. I had no idea what I was doing, right? I, I looked at this world and I was like, uh, you should be a Christian. Uh, like I, I didn't know what was going on. I had, I had no plan. 
Okay, so as we realize what evangelism is, we also, we need a plan. And this morning, to kind of wrap us up, I've, I've kind of summarized this plan into three main points, three main issues, three main topics that we can focus on. And as we walk through them, I would encourage you uh, to go ahead and just pick one. Okay, we're about to hit three. Okay, so maybe wait to make your decision until the end. But as we walk through them, pick one, just one. And this week, maybe you talk with, you know, your family and you set up, okay, we're going to focus on this. Or maybe you go home and you talk to your roommate and you're going to say, hey, I want you to keep me accountable to make sure that I'm doing this, this week. Okay, just pick one of these three issues, these three P's, okay, easy to remember, three P's of how to have a plan of evangelism. Okay, the first one uh, is as we plan to evangelize, we should prevail, Okay, meaning uh, we need to be a living witness to the power of God. This is what I alluded to uh, earlier saying, you know, there is definitely, it is definitely very important that we live our lives in a certain manner. That's crucial. Uh, the Bible is very clear that we are called to a higher standard, that our hope, our citizenship is in heaven and we should be living like it. So as we are doing those things, all right, there's a couple little pieces that I feel like would help us do that, right? Because it's a little bit vague, like thinking, okay, well, being a witness, right? Now, specifically, what I think is really great in in trying to be a witness, which remember, this is one of three pieces, right? The danger is that some people make this the only piece. They're like, well, I'm just going to live in a good way, and then that's what I'm going to do for God, okay? That's, it's definitely important, but remember, it's, it's not the whole pie, Right? But as we try to prevail, as we try to witness, I think there's two really big things that we can do to be effective witnesses. One of them is that we should be showing, we should be producing the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things should be produced in our lives. But realize, remember, that they are fruits of the Spirit. Right? It's not fruits of Jacob. It's fruits of the Spirit, Meaning the Spirit creates these things. Meaning that you won't find them just naturally occurring in the world. Because they are fruits of the Spirit. The same way that a grape is a fruit of the grapevine. Right? Or a watermelon is the fruit of a watermelon vine. Or a kiwi is a fruit of wherever kiwis come from. Right? In the same way, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things should be produced by the Holy Spirit in our lives. The other way that we can really be witnesses, the other way we can really prevail is, man, I think it's just really crucial. I think in this day and age, it is really a big deal if we just treat people correctly. If we just see people as children of God. If we have the right perspective on just other humans. Because the truth is that our modern culture does a great job of dehumanizing humans. We do it in little ways. Like we, we use terms like, oh, it's dog-eat-dog dog world, right? Or we're on the rat race, right? We have these kind of little, little small ways to kind of chip at it. But we also, in major ways, our culture dehumanizes people. We turn women into objects of desire. We turn small, unborn humans into just a thing, an object. This culture does a great job of looking at a person and thinking, eh, you're just a bundle of cells that somehow occurred through time. So as Christians, one of the ways that we can be witnesses, one of the ways that we can be lights, one of the ways that we can stand out is we just see people for who they are. We see people as children of God and we treat them as such.
So as we try to prevail, as we try to do these things, right, I, I promise people will eventually notice. They will eventually notice why there is something different. You are countercultural in some way. And that's great, and it's awesome that they would notice that. But honestly, if that's as far as you go, right, remember, if that's your only piece, then when they ask you, hey, you want to like, you know, as soon as you enter into the spiritual conversation, you're just, you don't know what to say, right? Or maybe you just run away screaming, because that's what I do, right? So as soon as you reach this moment, you also need the second piece. You need to proclaim. We need to know how to clearly present the gospel, right? I'm, simple truth, simple truth. If you want to present the gospel, if you want to proclaim the gospel with the intent of bringing people to Christ, you've got to know how to present the gospel, right? Like that's just, that's just how it works. And so what you need to do is maybe you need to learn a way to present the gospel, a simple, clear way to present the gospel that everyone can remember. And that everyone includes the person you're talking to as well as yourself, right? Try not to set the bar, you know, don't, don't put yourself too far out there in an attempt to learn the gospel. You can keep it simple to where you can easily remember it, easily just rattle it off. A little while ago, just over a week ago, we had Backyard Bible Club. And at these Backyard Bible Clubs, uh, we had all these little kids come in and we had all these adults and youth students that were trained uh, to do all these things like lead skits and play games. And it was an amazing success, by the way, in case you weren't aware. It was a huge success. We reached so many kids. And eight of the 12 kids that became new believers had never even heard of Grace Bible Church. So that's awesome. That's evangelism, right? But in, this, in these clubs, we had one person who was their one job, gospel presenter, and they learned a few different ways to present the gospel. One of the ways that I love is just the ABCs of salvation. That you should admit that you're a sinner, that you should believe that Christ came and died for your sins, and that you should choose to accept God's forgiveness, accept his gift of salvation through Christ. Boom. ABC, gospel. Done. All right? Or maybe you want to take it up a little bit notch, right? Maybe you aren't talking to six-year-olds, right? And so maybe you want to be a little bit more advanced. And so uh, what you could do is you could just learn the Romans Road. Uh, I actually gave a sermon on this back in January. You can find it on our website, Romans Road. Or you can just Google it. It's, it's all over the place. The Romans Road is just an easy, simple way to walk through Romans and share the gospel. All right, so however you do it, however you choose, you know, whatever works best for you, please, I would encourage you, learn how to clearly present the gospel in a simple way way that everyone can remember, the person you're talking to and yourself. All right, and the last P, this last kind of piece of evangelism is not only are we prevailing, not only are we proclaiming, but man, we should be praying. We should be praying. Remember, Hebrews told us that the word of God is sharp. The word of God pierces. It's not us. Christ tells us, remember, that we should follow before we fish. Paul uh, tells the Corinthians church, in another passage, he tells them, look, I planted Apollos, another leader in the church. He watered, but God caused the growth. Meaning that we as humans, we can participate with God, right? The same thing I've been saying all morning. We as humans can participate with God, but ultimately it's him. So why not go before him in prayer and ask him, beg him to be at work in the people around us? Or maybe you're thinking, though, well, I don't really have that coworker. I don't really have that friend or that family member that is popping into my head that's not a believer. Well, if that's you, then what I would encourage you to do would be to pray for one of our missionaries that we send out from here at Grace. We send out over 70 missionaries. We currently have over 70 missionaries, full-time missionaries out there in all the corners of the world. 
people from this body that are out there just daily prevailing and proclaiming and praying. That's all they do. And so you could join as a church body. You could join as a family or join as a house or join with your friends and do whatever. And you can pray for those people. I personally have some friends uh, who are really excited, right? Thumbs straight up, right? So you know, you know they're ready to evangelize. Uh, They actually uh, just shipped out uh, today to go to a debriefing uh, in their mission field. And in their mission field, uh, they're, they're going to be there for a week and kind of learn some stuff and talk with the people that are there before them. And then at the end of summer, they're shipping out to be there for at least one to two years. Full-time mission work. And so you could join me and we can pray for the We can do that. Even if we've got a handle on proclaiming, or even if we've got a handle on prevailing, man, we can pray. And if we don't know a specific person to pray for, let's pray for the because they are going to be reaching a very lost culture. They're out there and they're doing this. And we as a church body should be supporting them in any way we can. And the best way we can support them is by asking God to be on their side. So this morning we are actually going to be uh, participating together in taking communion. Uh, which is another beautiful thing that we get to do uh, as a church. And so the men are going to be preparing it. And, and as they do that, I would encourage you, again, uh, to maybe pick one of those little pieces. Pick one of those peas that we went through. And as you pick one, I would encourage you to be praying to God to build your ability to be a witness. Build your ability to proclaim. Or maybe just pray to him for the people around you, the non-Christians around you. And if you would, just go ahead and join me in prayer right now. Lord, again, thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you that you had a perfect plan for today. That God, that things happened uh, that I was not expecting. That things are currently happening that all of us are just even unaware of right now. But Lord, again, I just thank you that you are in control. Lord, I pray for all of us that as we uh, seek to evangelize, as we seek to reach this world for you, God, I pray that we would be faithful to make it our number one mission at all times. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be a nod your head on Sunday morning and forget about it by Tuesday, but that instead, God, that this is something that would sink in and change us. And Lord, we pray for the babies right now. Lord, we pray that would have a safe journey to their mission field, that they would have a productive training time, that they would learn the nuances, the, the, the little pieces of the culture that that would really prepare them to be the most effective evangelists they could possibly be. And Lord, we pray that over this next year, that they would just reach so many people, that you would be behind their words, you'd be behind their actions, that you would be empowering them to make huge waves for you. God, help us all focus in on you. God, reveal to us which of these P's we should be focusing on this week. We pray this all in your precious son's name. Amen.